What's up? This is Jeff Staple of the Business of Hype. And as everyone on planet Earth now knows, this is kind of a strange time that we're living in. With everyone hunkered down in their own homes, we were challenged with figuring out how to make a show, both logistically, because I typically interview all of my guests in person, but also like conceptually, like what do you guys want to actually listen to right now in the midst of what we're facing? What do y'all need right now? So we figured maybe let's call a bunch of the good people that have been on the show and just ask them how they're dealing and coping with Corona, both from a business standpoint, but also a personal one. I think hearing from people that inspire us will help us to figure out the footing in these uncertain times. I think we all go through this daily battle of figuring out big picture problems like family and unemployment and health while also tackling minutia, tiny details like when was the last time I washed my hands or do I have enough toilet paper and it's a time to replace my mask or can I get away with one more day? These are definitely very unprecedented times. And so this is just our small part in attempting to gather us together and share some stories. I hope you're able to get something out of these. I know for sure it's helped me out a lot just to have these conversations. Okay, let's get into it. Um, so thank you, first of all, for taking the time and doing this. I know it's a, it's a pretty challenging era in our, in our history. Um, and before we get too far in, um, if you could start with the basics and just tell us who you are, what you do, and where are you in the world right now? Yeah, cool. So I'm Jessica Washick. I'm a nail artist, and I'm also a designer, mostly working on Men's Air Force Ones at Nike Sportswear. Um, and I live in Portland, Oregon. So that's where I'm at right now. Cool. And what is your um, current like status in terms of like how long you've been home, how long you've been holed up? Yeah, we've been I've been home for I think this is going to be week four now. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Northwest was one of the first regions to get hit hard, right? Yeah. Seattle, which is only like a few hours away, you know, drive. Mm -hmm. So um, I was like pretty just like nervous that it was going to hit here next, like super fast. And, um, you know, yeah, I think like, you know, we took action in, in Oregon state. It seems like they took action, like, you know, ahead of it, ahead of time, mm -hmm. which was, I think really helpful. But, um, yeah, I mean, since then I've just been at home. Yeah. So, I mean, take us back to like a month ago when you saw Seattle lighting up, what was going on in, in Portland? Like, how were they handling this? Um, well, first, I mean, when Seattle started going off, like I was super nervous because I have a, my one of my best friends is a doctor. Um, and so, you know, she's essential worker. So um, I was just really concerned for her health and her family's health. And, um, you know, in Portland, it wasn't really starting to happen. Like, I didn't know that it was going to be all over the place. You know, I thought mm -hmm. I, I just I, I don't think that anyone could have imagined what is the you know, what scenario we're in right now. So yeah, I just like had no idea even that I would really be affected, but I was a little bit like just thinking, like we also didn't know how contagious it was either um, mm -hmm. and all that. So, I mean, I was just kind of like, well, there's no cases in Portland, so it must be okay. So, you yeah. know, so far, but um, you know, as we yeah. see that that changed. So. 
Did did you were you like sort of comfortable going to work for as long as Nike would allow it, or did Nike sort of shut down the campus at um, early? Um, well, it's funny. Last time we we talked, I told you how I don't drive, right? Like I take the train. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it wasn't even so much about like going back and forth, like to work per se. It was just anything I had to do. I was on like a community like. Uh, vehicle, yeah, right. which was just like, I was just really nervous about it. I like wouldn't sit down and, um, mm-hmm. you know, kept Purell, of course, on me all times. Yeah. yeah. Were you masked and everything? Uh, no, not at that point. I wasn't. Okay. But if anyone coughed, I literally would just switch the train. Like I wasn't afraid to be like, uh, <laughs> you know, overreacting about stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yeah. I'm not going to chance it. So you stopped going in even before the campus shut down because um, of the commute? Oh, no, no, no. I kept going in. But when the campus mm-hmm. shut down, I mean, that was that was great. But we, I mean, we're able to work from home. So, you know, on days that I didn't have any meetings or something, like, you know, we could take a work from home day, which was helpful. But um, I mean, yeah. yeah. Are you guys supplementing that now with like a lot of conference calls and video chats and stuff? I mean, everything is moved to digital realm. So... It's definitely like all the connection is happening on the screen, not only, you know, with Nike, but just any, with anything, like everyone's just on their phone all the time or on the screen. So it's just so much more like screen time than I'm like used to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You, you actually talk about trying to unplug as much as possible. Yeah. I love to unplug. (laughs) 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 And so this is definitely like not unplugging. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Are you stepping out at all, like even for getting air or exercising or anything like that? So I'm not. I'm really not. I'm literally at my in my apartment and I don't have a balcony in it or an outdoor area. I'm opening the window and sitting by the window for sunlight, like like a plant, uh-huh. actually. Um, because like I live in an apartment building, so the space that I'm in, I don't want to, you know, it's like I don't want to leave my space because there's so many communal areas. There's the yeah. elevator. There's only one elevator and the air is always really like stagnant there and mm-hmm. um I'm just like, I'm not going to chance it. So unless it's absolutely necessary. So yeah, I'm staying a hundred percent in, in the indoors. Damn. Yeah. How are you, how are you handling food? Oh man, I stocked up. You know, I got so lucky because my mom came out to visit me like, uh, two, like two weeks before this all happened and mm-hmm. she kept buying all the stuff. Like she was, um, yeah, she just kept buying all this stuff and <laughs> giving it to me at the end. Cause she didn't have any like use for it anymore. I was like, I don't need all this stuff. And now I'm like, look what I'm using. <laughs> I'm using yeah. this random can of like, whatever you bought me because I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny, but yeah. And, and I'm cooking a lot too. Right. That's good. Um, talking about your nail art business and, and career at that time, where that was that already sort of like very selective in terms of who you would do nails for? Or were you still doing that, like even this calendar year? Well, so here's the thing. Um, When I first moved from New York to Portland to work at Nike, I, I knew I had to give up a good amount of nail jobs just since New York is like an, a mecca of photo shoots and fashion shows. And in turn, that means work. And for me, that means money. 
So mm-hmm. I didn't want to surrender that revenue or give up doing nails. Um, so what I had planned to do was transition away from doing nails one-on-one since I wouldn't be able to physically be there and do that anymore. And instead, like kind of the business model um, that I that I had in mind was to go almost completely virtual, meaning like I would work with companies that uh, send product and then I would create image, image assets for them. And then with their approval, I post on Instagram and in turn get paid through that. So what? Yeah. Damn, <laughs> that's crazy. You could do virtual nail art now. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was four years ago, but I felt like, you know, that would be a way for me to stay relevant in the nail world mm-hmm. while not being able to be there physically and do, you know, the jobs, but it also gave me the option of like accepting projects that I was interested in that I would have to just make an effort, extra effort for and travel back and forth to accept those jobs. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I've actually been getting, um, I've been very fortunate, but getting like hit up quite a bit because, you know, these these image assets, um, you know, everyone's so plugged in right now and looking at their phones. So these image assets become essentially an ad on IG for that brand. And, you know, the company can use that image. And then in turn, I create the look in the comfort of my own home and get paid. So it's a win-win, you know. So that's been uh, really great that that's like, you know, I I already had that in motion. Right. That's cool. I would imagine, and I might be wrong, but isn't this a really great time to like, for people to focus on things like that on themselves, like just to pamper and take care of their, their self? Oh, 100%. I mean, if you're, if you've ever just wanted to do nails or like try your hand at something like at anything, I think now is the time. I mean, I do think that like, there's, there's a lot of like, also, you know, on the exact other opposite end is that there's like a lot of pressure to like come away with like new knowledge or new skills. And, um, like yeah, self, right. self-care is like one thing, but like, you know, just keeping your mental capacity like at a, in a good place, you know, is is good enough, I think, at this at this point. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet recently that said, hey, just a reminder, we're in a pandemic, not a productivity contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because yeah, there's like a whole contingency of people that are like, oh, I'm 7 a.m. I'm up. I'm doing this. And then like I'm filling out my whole day. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be all about that right now. Yeah, exactly. I think like um, if you're like in the mental space to be learning or, you know, you know, learn something new and and push yourself, like absolutely go for it. And if you're not like, don't don't feel like you have mm-hmm. to. There was like a New York Times article recently about how staying at home and taking care of yourself is enough. And mm-hmm. just know that before you, you know, you put your mental, uh, you know, you have to put your mental capacity and the health of your mind and spirit before everything else. But I mean, that said, if you are, you know, okay in that aspect and wanting to like be productive, this is the best time, you know, because there's, you can, you can, you know, work things out and flesh out ideas and yeah, make it happen. Which side of the fence are you on? Are you more about acquiring new skills or taking care of yourself first right now? No, I mean, the first week that it happened was extremely overwhelming for me. And I just never felt like that. I, I don't I don't know if I felt like that ever, if it's just been like a super long time that I don't remember that I felt like that. But um, it was just such an unusual feeling. And I had to take a moment like I took basically the whole week mentally off. I mean, I was still doing stuff, but I just wasn't present with it. I felt like things were so much more important than, you know, what I was working on and that there's a greater 
things that are greater in the world sometimes. So I was in that camp, but, um, you know, week two and week three, it's like, you know, just getting back into it has Mm -hmm. been nice. And I think like me, I use creativity as a way to stay grounded. So it's not like I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone to create something. And it's not this like hustle that I have to get to this end goal. It's just more of like a pleasant, like creating creative experience, Uh you know? Yeah. Your, your position at Nike, did you, um, prior to this, like, were you in touch with Asia a lot for your job? No. Okay. So you don't have to necessarily talk directly. Cause I was wondering if you were, um, sort of getting like understanding the severity of it early on because just Nike does a lot of business in Asia. So I didn't know if you were catching wind that like something was really going to happen bad, even like in maybe January or February. I can't speak at all for Nike. I, you know, um, but I will say for myself, I had no idea. However, Mm -hmm. I do have a friend that was telling me, um, and sending me a lot of things like, look, this is about to happen. What's going on in Wuhan is very serious because from what I understand, they completely shut down that city, meaning like no essential businesses were even open. And he, and he was like, you you had to like check out of your building. You couldn't just walk out of your building. Like you had to see somebody to leave your building. Yeah, right. Your, your residence, yeah. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah. and so he was saying, you have to stock up on food right now. And I was like, um, kind of rolling <laughs> my eyes at it and was just like, we're yeah. not going to get to that level. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no. And mm-hmm. um, and then like I called him a few, you know, when it happened, I was like, yo, you were so right. And I was so wrong and I didn't see it. But like, he definitely had the foresight, you know, to know that. But I think if, if, if I was paying attention more, I would have definitely saw that happening, but I just never would have thought it would have gone to this. Yeah. What have you been noticing about, um, the, through this whole ordeal, just like how people and humanity, how they're dealing with it. Are you seeing, um, more positivity coming out of this or are you seeing like some dark stuff as well? Oh, you know, like I, I think that like, so like when, when it first happened, I like cried a lot, right. During the first week, just because it was like the pandemic itself, the uncertainty, like my mental balance was, you know, I got off balance, um, pretty badly and like just the felt the gravity of the situation so hard. But like in the weeks afterwards, I still found myself like crying in little spurts here and there, or like, I should just say expressing emotion because it wasn't necessarily crying. It was just like this welling up of like emotions just because of the amount of like people supporting one another, like, you know, uh, people reaching out, checking in, Mm -hmm. connecting. And it was this feeling of like, everyone is totally in this together. And I felt so incredibly grateful for that. And um, just also, like, then it just started to open my eyes to so many other things that I have in my life that I'm so incredibly grateful for. So, you know, the outpouring of generosity from people and positivity, um, the mm-hmm. things that have been happening on Instagram, like with DJ Nice, like, I just feel like that yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff has been like, so like, it means so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In the beginning, you mentioned the emotions um, and the tears. Was, was that did the reasoning for the emotions change over time? Like in the beginning, was it out of sort of sadness and then later on it was out of joy? Yeah, it was in the beginning. It was definitely like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't know what to do. This is insane. This is crazy. And then it's like this idea of like, dude, we're all together in this, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like so touching to see people 
you know, do certain things or donate or reach out and connect and just express gratitude. And it's just been like really humbling. So like that pulls at my heartstrings because I'm like, oh, everyone, you know, is like in it together. And it it just makes it feel like uh, it's just so nice. Yeah. One thing that I want to ask you that could be really helpful to the listeners is like when back, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when you did fall into like a really sort of darker emotional place, how did you like snap yourself out of that? So it didn't just keep sliding downwards. Oh my gosh. It was so difficult. Like I felt so mentally out of balance. And, um, I will say like, I'm a meditator, you know, last time, um, when I was on the podcast, I was talking about, you know, I do 10 day meditation retreats. They're actually 12 days because it's day zero and day 12 that you last day. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I've done those three times. So they're very serious, like long sits that you sit for like 4am till 9pm and you do this. So I've, I have this meditation practice that I know and use and I advocate for meditation so hard because it literally changed my life by helping me control my anxiety and build my emotional intelligence. And I would recommend Mm -hmm. it to anyone. So I leaned into that. Okay. But I think like when people think like, and there's so many people who want to try meditation, but they don't necessarily like know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like, I mean, I just feel like this is such a good time to like explain it a bit. If for anyone who's interested, yeah. Um, if you don't mind. No, go for it. Because I think the natural inclination when you get sad is to distract yourself with something. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Let's, let me get a distraction. But you're saying, no, like own it and just be, sit with yourself. So yeah, explain a little bit how you do that. So yeah. Cause like, well, first when you meditate, I mean, you have to kind of recognize, and this might get a little bit deep, right. But I think it's really important to spread the message. I mean, essentially there are two of you, right? There's your true being, which is kind of in your heart center. And that wants love and joy and world peace as a concept, right. For everybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's your egoic mind, which is kind of in your brain, and it's your thoughts. And it's the thing Mm -hmm. that gets mad if someone cuts in front of you because you were next in line and you've been waiting. And it makes you the central most important thing in the world, and it separates you from everybody else. (laughs) Interesting. Got it. So so when you take that same scenario of cutting in front of someone in line and you come at it from a strengthened and pure heart center, you start to have compassion for whatever that situation is and think, oh, well, maybe that person's in a big hurry and they may need to, you know, go home sooner than me so I can wait. So you don't um, let someone else's actions affect your, mm-hmm. you at Worse. all. Yeah. yeah. So when you meditate, you're strengthening your true being, right? And you're, mm-hmm. e- and you're minimizing your egoic mind. And how you mm-hmm. do that is first by observing your thoughts without judgment and separating yourself from your thoughts, which is mm-hmm. a deep and interesting concept, but it's easier to do than you think, you know, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. really realizing that you are not your thoughts, um, that, and that will help you start to like observe them from an objective perspective. So like yes. any kind of fear or anxiety or worry that comes into your head, don't judge it, but observe uh-huh. it, recognize it, that it's there and recognize that you're separate from that emotion. Um, right. and that helps you, that helps calm you down. So fascinating. It really is. And I mean, I would say too that like, you know, when you do watch for your thoughts, a lot of times they just disappear because 
it's like turning on the light in a dark room. It's like, um, you, you know, you kind of get found out like your, your egoic, your Hmm. egoic mind always needs to be fueled and defended constantly. So when you actually like look at it, it just doesn't know what to do and it kind of goes away. Um, and you know, through meditation too, like you start to realize that your thoughts are just such a small portion, like such a small, small, small portion of intelligence. And the mm. things that start to come to the surface when you meditate after you're, you know, minimizing your egoic mind are creativity, love and compassion. I mean, I meditate to connect with myself and it also helps fuel my creativity. And I have always said this, like, I feel that it, it helps me so much be creative because your true being is like the hub of all creativity, not your thoughts. That's the reason why, you know, you have great ideas in the shower or during downtime because mm-hmm. your mind's at rest. You know, you're yeah. you're just being with yourself without recognizing it. So yeah. I would recommend everyone to try that and just try to quiet your mind, observe your thoughts and separate yourself from them. And what do you suggest is a good amount of time to start with? A reasonable amount of time for a total novice. Using my personal um, experience, I started with five minutes and I felt like it was an eternity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. Okay. So everyone is not, like, um, they can relate, I think, because like five minutes, yeah, would seem like an eternity to not and, and meditate just also clarify, like, what does that mean, actually, like in terms of what is actually silenced, like, right, literally so, everything, right? Yeah. So I mean, you're going to be you know, you'll just find like a comfortable sitting position. It could be on a chair or in a seat and like, or on the floor. And you'll just like close your eyes, you know, maybe take a few deep breaths and then just like start observing, you know, start observing your mind. Like people say, like, focus on your breath. And like when I was first meditating, I, to be honest, didn't really understand focus on your breath. Like I just didn't, I don't know. I was just like, okay, in, out, in, out. But like my mind would wander and I would think that that was fine. But Mm -hmm. now what happens is, I recognize that that's the stronghold that our egoic mind has over us. Even sitting for five minutes is so challenging because your mind has so much control and it controls so much emotions and, you know, develops anxiety or depression or whatever it is um, when you, you know, you have an opportunity to to really control it. Mm -hmm. And then you just slowly but surely um, went upwards from five like just keep adding minutes until you're comfortable? So I went from like five and I did that. Um, I went between like probably five and 15 for a few months. And then I literally made the jump to an hour. I was just like, okay, I'm going to just try an hour. And mm. I really didn't see a huge, um, like huge difference until I did hour sittings. Mm. And um, I mean, that's why that Vipassana retreat is like, you come out of it and you're just like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy because it's a hundred hours <laughs> that you've meditated, yeah. you know, after the course of 10 days. So yeah, definitely start small. But I mean, if you're, if you really like want to try and really get a hold of your mind, I would, I would really push yourself and try for an hour. Did you hear about Jared Leto? Yeah. He, I think he went to the same thing because. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause there's one in Joshua tree. Yeah. I think he yeah. went to the, the Vipassana. Um, I think he went to a Vipassana center. There's one in Joshua tree and that's the same one that, I mean, not the same one that I go to, but that's the same course. They're global. They're all yeah. over the world. So. Yeah. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Jared Leto went to a 12 day retreat when Corona hit America hard and he came out of it like not knowing, not like not hearing any news and just imagine waking up to this world like what a transformation. Because even when you leave, 
just as like a person going back to society, it's a shock. I mean, again, like mm-hmm. we talked about it a little bit last time when I vis- when I was there, but like just coming back to society is a shock and then re- realizing that the whole world is like in turned upside down and things that happen that you would have never thought. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that. That was that yeah. crazy when I heard that. It's a science fiction movie. Yeah. I heard he got hit up a bunch uh, by people to like buy his story or whatever. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we uh, sign off, I want to ask you if there's any particular um, sort of communities or nonprofit organizations or groups that you feel especially sympathetic or aligned towards in this whole ordeal? Yeah. I mean, you know, as a, as a manicurist, I definitely, gosh, I just feel terrible about everything that's happened to so many um, people affected by this, but I do want to shout out CND, which is a leading nail brand for professionals. Mm -hmm. CND stands for creative nail design. And they're one of the brands that stay uh, at the forefront of creativity in the nail world. And they've donated a hundred thousand dollars to nail artists in the form of um, grants um, for those who've had who've had to close due to the pandemic, or who those who have been affected by it, and I really admire them for that effort. Um, yeah. Me myself, I do my own nails, of course, but I do sometimes get pedicures um, from a place in Portland that I think mm-hmm. does a really nice job, and I mm-hmm. reached out to that. Uh, salon upon the pandemic happening and have been donating to them. And I would, yeah, I would urge anyone who's financially able to please support, please support your local nail salons, your technicians, your artists by calling and asking them how to make a donation, how they best will receive the funds. And this Mm -hmm. also includes hairstylists, barbers, barbershops, anywhere that you frequent, anyone who brings joy into your life that you, you know, are able to give them some funds back. I know it will be super appreciated. And like personally, I'm using Venmo. That's the best way for them to receive the funds. So mm-hmm. it's been completely no contact. Yeah. And I think the best thing to understand here is that like when people have a desire to help, I think there's this pressure to be like, how can I help in a maximum way? How can I make a massive impact? But right. it's great to hear that. No, you could just like go to your local restaurant or store and just help out individual people like it doesn't have to be this like ground shaking change it could, it could happen really small and if, ever, if everyone thinks the same way just help something in a really small way that actually becomes a really big thing yeah a hundred percent yeah i mean and and not only that i mean it builds community i feel like one of the major things about like having a tough time one of the major silver linings of it is that you see people for who they really are. And I think like these moments are the best times to express generosity and show how much you really care about the people who take care of you back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Great words. Great words. Thank you again. <laughs> um, I hope you take care of yourself. Oh, uh, you know what? Oh yeah. You want to, yeah. I also did want to mention that I'm donating also to medical workers who are without proper equipment through a GoFundMe that a friend of mine named, um, Gellerin Mizrahi, whose name might sound familiar. She owns, um, a bad company also, but she's been like completely engulfed in starting a GoFundMe to purchase CDC approved gear and is getting it shipped out to hospitals and medical centers. Um, I think it's important just to note that the grassroots effort is actually gets the supplies to the medical workers quicker um, Mm -hmm. because 
a lot of them, um, you know, it needs approval and, and things are backed up. So there's no profit at all. Um, and there's no other agenda than to just get proper equipment to the hospital. So even as little as $10 helps, if you're feeling helpless, you can, and, and, you know, you don't know where to, uh, donate. You can also, uh, check out the GoFundMe. Cool. All right. Thank you so much, Jessica, for your time. That was awesome. Whoa, that's great. That's it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> quick and easy. <laughs> now you can get back to your busy day of Zoom conference calls and Slack. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm ha- yeah, yeah. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye. Let's begin. Uh, so before we get too far, let's start with uh, an introduction of who we have. Um, who are you? What do you do? And where are you in the world right now? I am Melody Asani. I am a designer and I am in Los Angeles, California. Okay, cool. Are you safe and healthy and and good? Yes. Thank good. goodness. All of good. the above. Uh, well, thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk to us in this, in this crazy world that we're now living in. Um, you've been extremely busy since we've last spoken and you were actually one of the first episodes of the Business of Hype. Uh, and it's just incredible to see the trajectory of like all the things that you've been accomplishing since then. It's funny because I ran into you at ComplexCon recently and Mm -hmm. I I asked you like sort of offline, like I was like, when we met and recorded the business of hype, like was all of this already in the works and about to launch? And you were like, (laughs) no, it just, it all happened like after that. And I was like, that is highly productive. It's crazy. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, oftentimes you put so many things into motion and then you just kind of don't know what's going to come of them. Mm -hmm. So I think in a way it was like I was preparing for things like, you know, for growth and for all the things, but you just never know if they're going to come or not. So it was actually so refreshing to talk to you because I was like, oh, good. Um, you know, I, I obviously had some goals then that I've met. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. It's, it seems like a lot of times the things that we do are like almost like training camp and practice for mm-hmm. when like game time actually begins. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let's back up a little bit, like maybe a month or two before the coronavirus sort of all smacked us in the face. Like what mm-hmm. were some projects that you had lined up and that you were working on that you were excited about sort of launching that all of a sudden had to hit a red light? Wow. So many things. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Well, yeah. Well, last year was kind of big for me. I had, um, especially at the end of last year, I had kind of created a lot of momentum with some of the stuff that I was doing. I was like in my first commercial with Nike and it was to launch my first shoe that I had done with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of moving towards this trajectory. And then I had my second release come out with them um, actually mm-hmm. right at the beginning of yeah. the coronavirus, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then I had just partnered with a new um production facility. So I was really excited because we were, um, getting ready to start, you know, I I was getting ready to start working with a new factory that had a lot more capability in terms of apparel Mm -hmm. than I had ever had before. So I was going to be able to do bigger collections and 
be able to introduce new sort of categories in terms of what I was designing. And so um, it all just kind of came to a halt. And um, and then, of course, all the conversations of um, new collaborations and projects with a number of companies and people. And it's just all sort of like slowed down. Yeah. So it's crazy. You you talked about um, the second Jordan that you dropped, right? And it mm -hmm. was right literally on like the doorstep of Corona. Yeah. Um, was there thought in your mind of like, um, should I go ahead and do it or should I like hold off on it? And it's funny, I had a, one of the people that I talked to for this series was uh, Jerry Lorenzo, who just did this monumental Xenia collaboration. Mm -hmm. Like, and he also had this issue where like, mm -hmm. oh my God, this is dropping during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me like through the thought process of like how you decided whether like to go ahead with it or the messaging behind it and all of that stuff. Well, it was really crazy because, um, you know, Jordan was behind me a hundred percent in, in relation to this drop. Mm -hmm. So they were just kind of like, whatever you want to do, we want to help you execute it in terms of putting it out and how you want to put it out. So it was the first time that with them, I had sort of let my imagination wander and I was like, okay, we have a little bit of a budget. We mm -hmm. could, you know, do whatever we wanted. So we had actually um, arranged a co-ed basketball tournament that okay. was supposed to go down um on a Friday, I forgot the date, but it was like somewhere, you know, second week of March, I think it was like right before yeah. everything got shut down. And, um, and I was so excited because we had gotten, you know, a couple Lakers to be in it. Like Dwight Whoa. Howard was supposed to coach and it was going to be my team versus my husband's team. So it was like team me versus team flea. Oh my and God. We literally, we had like, I had my trainer, um, it plays for the women's drew league in LA mm -hmm. and she's like a hooper. So she had been training both of us for like weeks so that <laughs> we wouldn't embarrass ourselves because neither of us had played basketball in a long time. <laughs> uh -huh. And so we had just gotten this like incredible group of people that we're going to come play and it was going to be like a fully co-ed game yeah. where all the men and women were sort of like kind of equal to each other in skill. Mm -hmm. And so it was going to be like a love and basketball kind of right. game. And we yep. had planned all this stuff around it, like vendors and food trucks and blah, blah, blah. And so it was all greenlit. It was going to yeah, happen. It was going to happen. We were, we had like gotten the, secured the court we had like everything. We had mm -hmm. gotten everything, confirmed everything. And then a week, like five days before the tournament was supposed to happen, um, Nike came back to me and was like, yo, Jordan has literally like or Nike has shut down every single mm -hmm. event that that um, involves more than like 200 people. Mm -hmm. And As so, they should, yeah. Yeah, as they should. And it was like at the beginning and then they're like, but, you know, if you want to keep it smaller than that, if you want to like maybe only we limited to 100 people, then we could still do it. And I was like, OK, cool. I was like, mm -hmm. let's do that. Let's just limit it to 100 people and still do it because we had put so much work and effort into it. 
And, um, and then like three days before they were like, yo, we're completely shut down. Like they're about to close down the stores. They had like a big marathon that people had been preparing for. And they're like, nobody knows yet, but we're shutting down the marathon too. And so it was still very like back at, like people were still going back and forth, whether they should cancel things or not. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was crazy. So yeah, everything just got shut down. We were supposed to have an in-store release the next day, which I was really excited about because we were going to do like a ladies first line. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. And I was really trying to get the shoes in the hands of the people that, you know, like really wanted them and supported us through this mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, and all of it, we like had to shut down the store. Everything got canceled. It just all became digital based basically. Yeah. We, we like had to pivot. It was like the whole theme of that week was just pivot. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that plan that you just laid out sounds like, it sounds like one of those dream scenarios where you're all just sitting around drinking and like shooting off ridiculous ideas Mm -hmm. that will never happen, but all of them (laughs) will happen. Like, you know what I mean? It just sounds like some, some dream shit. Oh my God. We had made like custom uniforms. I had bought chalk i was gonna do like the lebron entrance where i was gonna like <laughs> throw the chalk up i had like yes. a whole dramatical pre- yeah. preparation i was gonna like blow flea out of the water we were gonna <laughs> beat him we were ready and it's just like yeah <laughs> talk, through the, talk through the emotions with us about like concocting and orchestrating that whole entire crazy amazing plan and then having something that is literally like an act of God, right? Like no political thing, not no BS. It just like, it got shut down because the world got shut down. Like, how did that make you feel? How did you like sort of pull yourself up from bootstraps and like recover from that mentally? Um, you know, I think that actually the, the fact that it was like such a big thing and it was affecting everybody and it affected everybody in different ways. Um, it really could have hit me so much worse. So it was kind of fine. I mean, I was really disappointed initially, but then once I started to understand, um, like how big this thing really was and that mm-hmm. we were, you know, cause even at the beginning, you knew pandemic, but you didn't really understand the implications of it yep. and what it meant, yep. you know, because we, you know, the, I think the, our, my basketball game was sched- scheduled on that Friday. And on Thursday, we went to the Laker game. Mm-hmm. And wow. it was the last game that happened before they shut down the league. Oh. Um, but, you know, so it was still very much like, I'm like, what is, is this really going to hit us? Mm-hmm. Because so often we think of things like we hear of things that happen overseas yep. and we're so unaffected by them. Yeah. And so it just kind of, it, it, I don't know if it's like a privilege we have as Americans or what, but there's kind of that part of you that's like, oh, that's cool, but it's not going to affect us. Yeah. Right. Like we have systems in place. We have things in place. Mm-hmm. And then you we're get America. into it. And, yeah. yeah, we're America. And then you get into it and you're like, oh shit, actually we're the worst. Yeah. We're the worst. We're an embarrassment. We're yeah. <laughs> All right. Like, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, when I saw the day that the U.S. surpassed China, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, so China didn't know this was happening. It surprised them. We knew it was coming, and we 
we still like lost somehow. <laughs> like it's yeah. like so embarrassing. Like we could have prepared for this. Like China couldn't prepare for it, and right. they figured it out better. Well, like, we're still not prepared. I mean, yeah, my, we're still yeah. I have a friend that just came back. He just got home from Rwanda a couple of weeks ago, and he mm -hmm. was saying that he went through like um, he got to the airport in Rwanda, and he was like, they had the guns that like take your temperature, like you stand yep. there. They, they didn't allow anyone on the plane on unless they had their temperature taken. And then they had a series of questions that they asked you. And then he had a layover somewhere else. I don't remember where they did the same exact thing. And then he was like, and then we landed in LA and nobody asked us or did anything. We just yeah, walked just, right in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Um, talk about like some of the, the, sort of closer knit areas of your business, like your retail stores um, and when when they had to close and kind of like some of the things that you had to accommodate for your staff. Um, so we had to close. We closed pretty early. Actually, we closed a week before the um, California, the mandate. Yeah. yeah. And um, actually, all of Fairfax, everybody on the block closed. Mm -hmm. So and it was sort of like naive at the beginning. We we're like, okay, we're going to close and hopefully we could come back after this, <laughs> come back in a few weeks. Yeah. And so I kept everyone on payroll for the last month. And I was like, we're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. But also it was kind of crazy because we had, um, you know, over a thousand pairs of shoes in our store that we mm -hmm. were planning on selling that we had to pivot and then sell online. And then we had to ship and like, we had to fulfill yeah. all the orders. <laughs> yeah. So it was also, um, sort of the logistical nightmare that that was. So a lot of my staff was actually still working remotely, or we had two people, two to four people in the store at a time, mm -hmm. you know, taking all the precautions, but, um, you know, it was kind of like everybody, initially everybody was really cool to come in. And then the second week, there was a lot of people that were like, yo, we don't feel comfortable coming in. Mm -hmm. And then my husband was like, you're not allowed to go in. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't leave so, the house. Yeah. So it, it was really interesting having all that happen too, because it's no longer, it forced everybody to have to think about who they live with and who they're around. and. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, it was no longer just about what you wanted to do. It was like the biggest thing was how is this going to affect the people around you if something happens to you? Yeah. How many people between like the design office, the back offices, the stores, like are, are you employing? Um, I have 22 employees between LA and New York. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And so right now everything is, is shut down, right? Yeah. Everything's been shut down for a month now, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, there's really, uh, there's not a business that is conceived of that is meant to survive with no business for a month at a time. Mm-mm. Right. No. So is your, is your online store on? Yeah. Our online store is on and um, we're still shipping things. So I have two girls going in two mm -hmm. to three times a week and um, they're just, shipping what they can, mm -hmm. but you know, the majority of our business has kind of turned into, um, our, our stores in the last couple of years. So it's yeah. really interesting kind of shifting back to focusing on online. Right. 
Totally. How about your, your personal day to day? Like, you know, were you sort of the type that was going into the office every single day? Like, mm-hmm. has that changed now with yeah. you just being at home every day? Absolutely. I mean, I go into the office every day, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. and it's changed dramatically. But I have to say, I actually, um, it's kind of been nice because I started the business 11 years ago and I've never not gone to work. I've never mm-hmm. taken a sick day. I've never, you know, and so there's, been something about being home and sort of creating a workspace at home Yeah, that's actually been really nice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. It's like making me reprioritize things and rethink about how I want to work moving forward. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Like you think you might want to incorporate some of this work from home more so in your future lifestyle? Well, I don't think I I would want to work from home, but I think I'd want to make more time for the things that I'm able to do now that I am home and I feel more free mm-hmm. to take time to like watch a documentary that I really want to watch or spend a few hours researching um, you know, like an era that I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um it's just sort of taking me back to but I think for me it's different because, you know, I I wear where I get the most happiness is in that place where I get to like create and design things. And I kind of didn't realize how much running the business had sort of taken over, mm-hmm. um, you know, my ability to create. And yeah. so I feel a lot more free now to just be creative and not have to worry about a lot of the business side of things. Yeah. Was um, there a phase right after the virus hit? like, and you were stuck at home, was there an initial phase of like sort of shock of adjusting to the new way of working? Yeah, I'm still in shock on some level. You know, I'm just in shock because I think overall, you know, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that picks up on trends and I'm sensitive to them. And so I like to see what's going on and Mm -hmm. what sort of the climate of the world is. And I think it's still interesting to me just processing it all. And I think it's also important to remember that it's kind of exhausting living through a pandemic. So just because I'm home and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like running around, it's still tiring on some level because of what's happening. So well said. I mean, there's this impression that like, because your calendar isn't filled with meetings that you shouldn't be exhausted. So like right. there's a, there's a guilt of like wait I was just home all day why do I feel exhausted but the way you put it is perfect no don't forget we're fighting through a pandemic here yeah no it's serious it's serious business but I think it's really an opportunity um, I was talking to my friend Julie about this and it's interesting because we're all being forced to deal with all the things that we have in our own personal way mm-hmm. um, in relation to this right. And so I think it's it's been cool for me to sort of take this time and um, reflect and kind of understand what I am and what I bring to the world as opposed to who I am and what I do. Mm-hmm. And so that's been that's been kind of the thing that's been keeping me really going through all this is like uh, kind of changing the perspective and getting deeper into what I am like. What is it that I bring just by showing up in a room? 
Like, yeah. do I make people feel safe? Do I make people feel happy? Um, like, what do people feel when they're around me? And um, trying to tap deeper into what that thing is that I am, and mm-hmm. then trying to bring that more so into my work and and into the who that I am in the world. Interesting. That actually is a you pretty much answered like my next question, which is how you're staying inspired. But it sounds like you're like sort of metaphorically looking in the mirror, mm-hmm. right? Like, and just learning more about yourself to get inspired. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's part of it. But also for me, I'm I'm kind of like a little kid where I, I get inspired pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So I just, but and if I have time to like look for it and hunt for it, then I'm just so happy because I can't wait to see what I'm going to learn or what, yeah, you know? And so I've been reading a lot. I've been watching a lot of things. I've been, yeah, I I just feel like I've been free in a lot of ways that Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to be in a while. Is there still a lot of like meetings and conference calls and like video calls for you? Totally. Okay. There there is, but um, they're manageable. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like if all you have is two meetings a day on the phone and then you have the rest of the day to do whatever you want yeah, <laughs> or do it however you want, or you could take the meeting wearing like a shirt and no pants and nobody will ever know. It's kind <laughs> of amazing. It is. Yeah. As long as you don't accidentally get up from your chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, no, I found myself stacking my days like where i had like seven or eight like back-to-back conference calls Mm -hmm. thinking that like you know again it's you know forgetting that we were in a pandemic and thinking we were in some sort of like productivity contest like to Mm -hmm. maintain busyness while we're all working from home and i realized like there's something very um like burning out of just staring at a screen for like seven or eight hours which is not my usual day like usually i'm shaking hands, interacting with people, commuting, mm-hmm. you know, you're out and about in the world, like you said, like sort of feeling the earth and, and people in it, you know, and it's not the same when you just look at a, a Zoom meeting for eight hours. Yeah. Well, no. And I think that's part of why we got here to this pandemic is like this whole, this whole obsession we have with harder, better, faster. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, yeah, so I totally. think that that's why it's like a forced I don't know. I feel like there's a lot to learn from the forced slowdown if only we allow it. Yeah. How strict are you about staying in? Like, are you getting air, taking walks, exercising? Are you like going to the market occasionally? Um, Well, I'm taking, I take walks every day. Mm -hmm. Um, We're really fortunate here in California. We have a backyard, a front yard. Mm -hmm. And so I get out in the yard as much as possible. I take my laptop out there. I work out there. Mm-hmm. And um, just being outside is like a game changer for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to the market a lot. Okay. Um, I go every now and then. So you're doing uh, like deliveries of food and stuff? Yeah. We're okay. doing mainly, we, well, um, I'm lucky because my husband's assistant picks up our food, uh, picks up food for us, but mm-hmm. The grocery store here is really cool where we order everything on the app and then you just drive up, they drop it in your trunk and then you right. drive back. Yep. That so, Cali lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really fortunate. It's kind of crazy, but but yeah, aside from that though, we're we're pretty strict about it. We haven't I haven't seen anybody or gone anywhere. Mm. 
Um, what have you I noticed about um, <laughs> what have you noticed about like the state of um, people in general, like that you're interacting with either in person potentially or like socially, but like just humanity and how people are dealing with this? Like, do you feel like there's a lot of sort of more heroic kind of like uplifting optimism or do you feel like there's more um, pessimism and like um, struggle? Um, I mean, there's definitely a good combination of both. I think that depending on the kind of person you are, you, you see more of whatever you want to see kind of thing, you know, but for me, I've been really looking for the, I've been looking for the hope because Mm -hmm. like, I love watching the videos of the people singing out their windows in Italy. And I love, like, I saw this other video uh, in New York where everybody was like singing a Biggie song. Yeah. In Brooklyn. Yeah. It was (laughs) amazing. It was amazing. And then, I mean, it's really tragic and sad what we're doing to our medical workers. Like we're literally burning them out. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the flip side of that, it's so incredible to see their spirits and like, them making these TikTok videos and, yeah. you know, it's like, so I feel like it's double-sided, but from the friends that I have that I've been speaking to, it's kind of been a combination. I mean, I was talking to my friend just last night where she was totally good for the last um, week. And then all of a sudden she had like a crazy anxiety attack the other night. Cause I think it all just caught up with her. Mm. And so, and I think it also depends on how close to home it hits for you, because um, for me, I don't know a lot of people directly connected to me that have gotten it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot of people have family members, and yeah. um, you know that have like passed away already. And uh, so I think that's when I think when it hits closer to home for you, it's a lot harder. Because then you're like, whoa, if it could happen to that person, you know. Completely. What do you think will be, um, if you could predict, and I know no one knows the answer to this, but just your impression, I don't know if you've given this any thought, but what does our comeback look like? Like if, you know, we flatten the curve, the, the business opens back up, like we're allowed to go back to work, restaurants open back up and everything. Um, and, you know, so like six to nine months out, do you think, we just snap back to previous reality or do you think this event changes us like to the core? Yeah, no, I think on some level we'll be changed yeah. forever. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, we forget everything. Yes. You know, it's like anything that happens, we forget it. Yeah. It's but the most tragic I, thing that day. And then it's like, wait, what happened right. last week? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of been actually my biggest fear is yep. that that will happen. Um, but I don't think it's going to, see, this is the thing. It's like the pandemic is not something that happened to us. Like we, it's a consequence of what we did. We created this. We messed with the environment. We messed, you know, things were out of balance. We took animals out of their habitats. Mm -hmm. We barely, we barely have habitats that are good for us. We didn't, we, we're still working working against nature in a sense where we don't realize that it's part of us. Like yes. when nature thrives, we thrive. Mm-hmm. And so when we mess with it, then it's going to mess with us. Like it's going to affect us. So this pandemic is just a consequence of a series of actions that we took. Yep. And I think that this is now an opportunity to undo some of that. And if we don't, 
there's just going to be more consequences down the line. Yeah. The earth just clapped back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. And so what I'm hoping is that we recognize that that's what's happening, mm -hmm. you know, and not listen to the sensationalism in the media about, you know, pointing fingers at China and this and that. It yep. has nothing to do with that. It's all of us. And if this is, if this is made us realize anything, it's our interconnectedness and the fact that literally everything we're, we're just all connected. You know, it's unfortunate, but I'm not hearing that enough in mainstream media. Mm. Are you, do you hear that message? No, I don't I hear don't. it at all. I hear the, the blaming, the finger pointing, um, you know, stories of heroes, stories of like, you know, Cuomo has this whole Americans and American thing. Like mm -hmm. I'm hearing a lot of that, but I'm not hearing the base reason of like, how did we get into this, into this situation in the first place? And it's exactly what you said. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's interesting. And I think that this is why inner work is so important because if any of us go inside ourselves and think about it, we all have the same orientation towards what's happening in the mm -hmm. world. Of course, it looks different and everybody articulates it differently and has a different sort of viewpoint on it. But it's like everybody that I've talked to, like when I share that, people are on the same page. And so that's why I think mm -hmm. the other thing for me that's been really important during this time is it's made me realize how important our communities are, especially yep. communities of like-minded people that you know mm -hmm. and how important it is to share the trends that you see and, and yeah. talk about what you think is happening because we can't rely on the government. No. I mean, it's something that where it's not coming that the help and the knowledge and the guidance is not coming from the top down. So mm -hmm. we really, and this, this is a perfect opportunity for us to create those communities yep. where, you know, you have people that you can rely on and that you could receive assistance and guidance and support from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With um, truthful, with actual facts and truthful yes. information. Yes. Yeah. It's true. We can't, we can't rely on the top. It's, it's failed us. Miserably. No. And it's failed. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at it globally. It's like almost every single major country in the world mm -hmm. is, is, has the same sort of leadership we do. I mean, we have like the poster child for the worst, but yep. it's kind of like this everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Um, before we sign off, I want to ask you if there's any, um, speaking of sort of like giving back or anything like that, are there any, communities or, or support groups or nonprofits that you are particularly sympathetic and, and aligning with? Um, you know, no. And I've been, I've actually been asking people and trying to see if other people have ones that they could recommend to me. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, we've just been supporting um, a lot of the local food banks, mm -hmm. um, making sure that people are able to get groceries in neighborhoods in LA where they can't afford groceries. So, um, that's my, that's a good one. That's a really yeah, good one. Yeah, my husband and I have been doing that, but um, I haven't heard of any other like organized effort that I've um, mm -hmm. been wanting to stand behind. Yes, or that I've known. So I, I'm really interested to know if anybody hears this mm -hmm. and they know of one, please. Well, I think DM it, me. the the challenge is like a lot of people struggle with how to help and whether it's like, okay, 
I can do something really small, like go to my barber and send him money, even if he's not giving me a haircut, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. super micro, or you can donate a bunch of money to like the world health organization. But then even like a bunch of money for most people is like a drop in the, in the bucket for a huge global organization. So you feel like, will my 25, 50 bucks even make a difference to a big thing? You know, like, wouldn't I rather give that to my dog walker than to this huge thing, you know? So it's like, I think people are, are, and then they get paralyzed by that choice. Like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do anything, you know? Um, But I think you bring up a great point. Like, it's just who is the right person or organization to give to and how. Yeah. I also think, I mean, another thing I just thought of that's really important is just really supporting the small businesses in your neighborhood or your area. Yep. Because, you know, speaking of $50, like $50 a day really does make a huge difference for a small business. Mm -hmm. If you think about rents and um, just like basic overhead costs, I mean, if somebody were to get even like $100 a day, that's, you know, like $3,000 a month, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, could be half of somebody's rent or a full amount of somebody's rent just to be able to float some of these expenses because, a lot of the loans that are coming out, you know, are, are it's great that they're doing them zero interest or one percent interest, but it's I'm also worried about all the future debt yeah. for you know that's happening. And so I don't know, just supporting people that need it. And then on the flip side, also for small businesses and people to share that they're having difficulties and trouble and not feeling like they're sort of utilizing COVID to capitalize off. You know, because yeah. I know a lot of my friends that own businesses that are worried about talking about their struggles because they feel like it looks like they're trying to capitalize, but mm-hmm. really they're just trying to pay the rent. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah. I don't, I think a lot of businesses haven't gotten to that level of awareness yet. They're still in that first shock yeah. of like, you know, trying to put out all the fires. And then I feel like the second stage is like, oh shit, we have to do business, but is it the right time to do business? Like, is it too uh, off-putting to like ask people to support? But then I think your what you just said is like the third level, which is like, wait a second, if you want us to be here when we all come back, mm-hmm. we need help. Yes, Yeah. absolutely. And I mean, it's kind of great because I just watched a talk with Bill Gates and him and his wife donated $100 million towards relief efforts. And then I just read this morning that the guy that owns Twitter, one of the partners donated a billion dollars. Yeah. So I just feel like the bigger efforts should be taking care of those types of people. Mm -hmm. Like it shouldn't be our like 10, $15 here and there that does that kind of stuff. Like the big players in the game really need to step up and do that kind of stuff. And I think for us, I mean, I personally would like to spend my money more locally and in my community to make sure that everybody's taken care of here so that we can sustain this after it's all over. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Melody. That was awesome. I hope you stay safe and healthy. Um, Thanks, Jeff. I hope the same for you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Hey, thanks for tuning in and listening to this special stay at home series of the business of hype. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to all the other episodes that we have on hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
It still helps us tremendously to leave a rating, leave a comment, and share the show with others. I greatly appreciate it. You can reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Jeff Staple. This special stay-at-home series of The Business of Hype was directed by me and produced alongside Christina Hong. Social distancing was practiced during the making of these episodes, and I urge everyone, stay at home, distance yourself from others, wash your hands, cough and sneeze in your elbow, and don't touch your face. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay inspired, and we will get through this. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hypebeast Radio.